0: Alright, thanks for coming to another episode of the Clay County Beacon Podcast. Today I have with me Tara Green, who is the current clerk of the court in Clay County and is up for re-election. Ms. Green, first of all, thanks for spending some time with me today. Secondly, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself uh, and why you are running for re-election to clerk of the court.
1: Okay, well thank you, Josh, and I appreciate you uh, giving me some time uh, to spend with you this morning. So I am running for my third term as clerk of court. I originally ran back in 2012. Um, I have previous experience in the clerk's office, um, albeit a a while ago, but I'm familiar with what the clerk's role is, what it was back in the late 1980s, early 1990s. Um, My mother was chief deputy, uh, which was kind of second in command here for 14 years. So I'm pretty intimate with what the clerk does. Um, so when the position opened up, um, I actually didn't seek to run for the position. I never considered running for a public office or, or running for any kind of elected position. I've always served in the private sector uh, in in more of an operational organizational capacity. And I got approached by quite a few people who felt like the private sector experience that I had could be applied within the, the uh, clerk's office. So, uh, you know, fast forward, I decided, okay, you know, maybe, maybe it is time to uh, have, have people run for these offices that don't necessarily come with the political experience, but come with the, the actual real-world professional experience. So I ran for office, It was very su- successfully won that um, election, and served my first four years, um, of which a lot of opportunities that we saw from an operational uh, efficiency perspective, um, you know, really rolled up my sleeves, spent some time with the people in the community, in the office, did some improvements, uh, quite a bit, actually won clerk of the year in my first term for the state of Florida. Um, and that was uh, voted on by my peers. So that was quite an honor. And then of course, you know, it, it's this office is like running a company, um, a company that offers office. offices. Offer services, so there's always opportunity to look to improve, to evolve, um, to leverage technology, and then you add on to that um, every year. Potentially, well, not potentially, actually, every year legislatively, our duties change. And I can talk about the role of the clerk a little in a little bit because it's pretty complex. So serving, wanting to serve a second term, made complete sense to me, and obviously to the voters because there was still a lot of work to be done. Uh, as we evolve the office, as we evolve with legislation, as we evolve with technology um, and the growth of the county and the needs of the county. And so I just, you know, continue to roll my sleeves up, the sleeves up and continue um as my role as clerk. And then as a third term, uh very similar. I mean, these jobs, you know, I know that there's a lot of conversation about term limits these days. And I'm not, I'm not, a proponent or not a proponent of it. I think it depends on the type of elected position that it's in and what they're doing to service the community. You know, are you a policymaker? Maybe you should have some term limits. Are you ministerial in your work? If you're doing a good job, if the voters decide for you to leave your term limited every four years. Um, so I, I, I wanted to run again because I still have a lot of, um, things I think we can continue to push the office forward. And then of course, you know, I I know we'll get into it, but we have new duties. Uh, They're actually, they're old duties coming back to the clerk. And so I felt it extremely critical that continuity and that knowledge and experience remain intact as we um, shift some duties from the county into the clerk's office. Uh, And, and Above all that, I absolutely love my job and love servicing Clay County. So uh, that's why I decided to continue to run again.
0: Interesting stuff. Yeah, my, my personal background in the you know, business world is, is also very operational, right? Um, and it sounds like what I hear you saying, at least you know, in part, um, there is an operational component of the clerk of the court position.
1: Is that Very much. Opinion? Very operational, very human resource dependent. Also technology dependent. I did come from a technology company. I mean, I don't consider myself a technology guru. Uh, there are people out there that that live and breathe that, but I am familiar with, uh, you know, that aspect of of operations. So yeah, it's it's surprisingly it is. It's very procedural, very process oriented.
0: So what do you feel like? Uh, I guess that that is sort of a, a good question. <laughs> I think clerk of the court is one of those. Uh, governmental positions, right? Uh, departments, positions, you know, whatever term you want to use for it, where if things are going really well and you have a person who's doing a good job, you probably never think about the clerk of the court, like as the average citizen, right? I think mm-hmm. it's one of those things mm-hmm. that's sort of sight unseen. If the, the if it's a well-oiled machine, then it's sort of out of sight, out of mind. Um, mm-hmm. I guess – can you lay out a little bit, like, for people who don't think about the clerk of the court, um, you know, can you give us maybe, like, a high-level summary of, like, what the, what the responsibilities of the clerk of the court are? And I guess also a little bit, why should an average citizen care who is the clerk of the court?
1: Sure, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. You know, those that are familiar with our role here as clerk of court, um, they, it's usually because they've been summoned as a juror, uh, which is a critical piece to the court process. Um, that comes out of the clerk's office. They've received a traffic citation and they come to the clerk of court to rectify that, whether they pay it or, or request a hearing. Uh, perhaps they uh, recently married. They would come to the clerk of court to get their marriage license. Um, if they want to go across seas on their honeymoon, they'd come to the clerk of court to get their passport. Um, and, you know, we talk, we, we, we talk about it being full circle Marriage doesn't work out. You'd come to the clerk of court to file your dissolution case. So you, those, are the, those are the individuals that use the system that are familiar with us. That's on, you know, and that's really on the civil side and the service side. Then you have the whole partnership with the, um, the um, criminal aspect of what the courts do. So our partnerships with the sheriff's office, our partnerships with the local police departments, obviously our judiciary, state attorney, public defender, um domestic violent advocates you know we have a we have a huge volume in not only on our county court side but on our criminal court side so there's there's the that whole aspect of it and um you know the clerk of court at request of our judiciary because we have a great relationship with them and we understand their needs uh the clerk now um oversees the probation services for county probation and those would be for those individuals that you know caught themselves in trouble with misdemeanors and that kind of stuff um there's individuals that may have heard of us because they've had a juvenile that's gotten a citation and they've been ordered to the teen court program which is a diversion program the clerk of court runs that program um and that one's very successful um i could spend an hour just talking about that one i'm I'm a big proponent of um diversion programs where it's appropriate and then we also have clay county archives several of us know us from our clay county archives which is a Got a great partnership with the school district in educating our community about clay county history and our students in the schools so we've now successfully worked with the clay county school district in incorporating clay county history into the curriculum officially into the curriculum for the schools um, and start off with eighth graders and it's expanded and i believe this year we are doing um, an initiative during clay history week which was established as part of this partnership with the school district Um, working with seniors on educating them on actually what the clerk does and the separations of government and the different branches of government and the the segregation of duties. So, um, you know, those are the individuals that probably know us in different aspects, but the basic fundamental role of the clerk um, is pretty complex and multifaceted. So you've got the clerk of court, which is kind of what I just kind of went over. That's a big proponent of what we do um, today. What we have what we're working on and we're, we're very successful uh, in the progress that we've made is the, the transition of the financial duties. That's a, that is a big responsibility. Um, it's something that we take very seriously. Um, and this is as a result of Amendment 10, which we can get into. So another, another role of the clerk is going to be the chief financial officer, the treasurer, and the auditor to the county. And, and that's an extremely important function. And, and I, I would like to talk about that just a little bit. We also are the county recorder. So if you purchase a house, uh, we're going to record your deed and keep it in official records and keep it safe and sound and so that when you need that to do a transaction or you know whether it be sell a home or whatever it needs, we, we're protecting that information for you and making sure that it's available for you or the agencies that you work with. And then also um, clerk to the Board of County Commissioners. So we're the record keeper of the county minutes. Um, this also is a part of the transition that will take place Uh, later this year. So that's a high level. Um, You know, to give you an idea, we have on average, now COVID-19 has impacted our our world a little bit, but on average, we oversee about 40,000 cases uh, and all the documents within those cases. um, We have millions and millions and millions of documents, whether it be a court record, official record that we are responsible for, we're the keepers of those records, we're the custodian of those records. And we have to make sure that the, that information is available to the right person at the right time. And it sounds like an easy task, but when you really look at it, it can be very complex because your official records, there's a different governing um, law for what people have access to and can see versus court records. So you have to be extremely knowledgeable, knowledgeable in the Florida law and then the rules of judicial administration to know how to run the office of the clerk of court.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that doesn't seem like an easy thing at all. Any, especially anybody who's ever been in an operational role uh, in any sort of big corporation, it, it, it sort of has the same feel. There's so many <clears throat> policies and laws and statutes. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to make sure that everything is buttoned up according to every single regulation that's in place. So, um, let's talk about let's talk about Amendment Ten, though. Like, how, what? Give us sort of your your view on w- what Amendment Ten is going to do in terms of. Additional responsibility, um, you know, for clerk of the court.
1: Well, let, let me let me preface this with um, really where Amendment Ten came from, because I think there's sure. a little bit of, of misinformation out there. So Amendment Ten, as we we know, came out of the Constitutional Re- Revision Commission, which they meet every twenty years, and 2018 was the twentieth year. And one of the things that they took up as one of the amendment, one of the um, initiatives was the role of the constitutional officers of a county. Amendment 10 is not about the clerk of court. Amendment 10 is about constitutional officers within a county. And what this, and it came out of a public initiative and turned into the constitutional revision, and they took it up as an amendment. Um, What the intent of Amendment 10 was, was to protect the integrity and the independence of these positions. So it includes your supervisor of election, your tax collector, your property appraiser, your sheriff, and your clerk of court. Right. So what what was concerning, because this is the Florida Constitution, what was concerning is you do have these local governments which are chartered governments. There's nothing wrong with a local charter government. But what the trend started being, it was becoming of concern, are places like a Broward County or a Miami-Dade where the role of the sheriff was being abolished and being lumped up underneath a five-person, potentially uh, mayor-like committee, your your council members, your board of county commissioners. So a role like the sheriff who should answer to the people, should answer to the voters, were being abolished and now they, they, were, they were answering to mayors or council members and taking the direction from a smaller group uh, of concise government. That was the real concern behind Amendment 10. The net effect, of how it affected Clay was that in the in the charter, years and years ago, um, certain duties of the clerk were removed and moved over to uh, the county government. I don't think the debate is whether that was a good idea or a bad idea, or if it worked or if it didn't work. But you know, before, when we talk about charter government and we talk about Amendment 10 and the effects of Amendment 10, as it relates to Clay County, I don't know if you're aware, there's 67 counties in the state of Florida. 60 of those counties, the comptroller duties resides with the clerk. Right. The reason why that is an effective model and has worked and why in some of those counties, most of those counties are charter counties. They've opted not to change that role because it's the segregation of duties. It, it has nothing to do with um, you know broadening government or bureaucracy. It has to do with um, checks and balances and segregation of duties on behalf of the taxpayers. It doesn't mean that the local government, the board or local county finance employees aren't doing their jobs, aren't doing their roles. It's just the segregation of it. So it's it's a, it's a an internal control uh, checks and balance mechanism. And, I, and this is how I kind of describe it. So I'll ask you a question. Let's say you have $100,000, you're a business guy, and you have $100,000 that you're going to give to your guy joe that you're going to hire to run your business okay Joe's going to decide what he's going to spend the money on he's going to set the budget do you want joe to also cut the checks and make those payments on that same budget or would you prefer sally to come behind joe and say okay joe you said you were going to spend this money on this and this money on this so these are the policy and procedures you put in place and and you're saying it's for the good of the company so yes I concur that you are spending the money the way you said you were going to spend it. Let's make that, let's make that payment. That's in essence what this role as comptroller fundamentally is doing. There are other aspects. Um, You know, you've got investment policies, you've got reserve policies, you have other things, but fundamentally that's what that is the intent of that is. And so when, when I hear about how it's affected play, I, I just go back to what it seems to work in 60 other counties and of which five of those are going to potentially five of those. So there were, there was, I think seven affected on this amendment in the clerk world, a lot more affected in the sheriff's office. You've got Volusia County, for example, they don't elect their tax collector. They don't elect their supervisor of elections. They don't elect their sheriff. The only one they do elect is the clerk of court. So it's those kind of nuances that really is what drove Amendment 10. Sure. The, the, the fact that Clay is just kind of the net effect as far as the constitutional duties of the role.
0: Yeah, I think what gets lumped in with the duties that are changing uh, for the constitutional officers, Amendment 10, in my opinion, was too broad because it also had language about State Department of Veteran Affairs and Office Mm -hmm. of Domestic Security, and and there were some other things in there that, in in my mind, and I know a lot of other people's minds, should have been separate amendments, right? So I think people start to talk about Amendment 10, and they link it to... bigger government more bureaucracy because outside of what you're saying which is really a normalization of roles for uh constitutional officers it's not broadening government those things are already being done it's just saying as a state we expect x y and z to happen under you know a b and c role consistently um but yeah yeah, it gets lumped in with some of those other things so are, are you anticipating um you know are you anticipating any Pushback from from folks who, who normally have those uh, responsibilities in our county, or how do you see that transition going? I mean,
1: no, and we've been in, we've been transitioning for quite a while. Uh, when this amendment passed, I met with policymakers with the county, the county manager, immediately because my goal was a smooth, um, just streamlined transition, uninterrupted, you know, und- not disruptive, uh, in partnership with the county, because really this is on behalf of the taxpayers. When we talk about county budgets we're talking about taxpayers dollars that's what we're talking about so you know we immediately started meeting we have a a a formal transition team that has been meeting for months and months and months um since the beginning of this year and we are well on their way of transitioning those duties and when you talk about how it affects the people who are in these roles today about ninety percent of the staff that does this work today, under the preview of the Board of County Commissioners and the county, are transitioning over and willingly transitioning over to the clerk's office to be part of the Comptroller division to continue the work that they're doing today. Um, so i'm I'm extremely pleased with it. We've had great partnership with the county manager and with the finance team over there, and we are um, on on track to make these tr- to make this transition happen. Um, actually, the amendment states by January one, but the the most fiscally responsible thing to do was to do it by October of this year because of the way the fiscal years run. And if we're going to have oversight of the spending of the budget, uh, we would want to do it within a one whole fiscal year because at the end of that year, we're responsible for the uh, financial statements and um, the audit that will take place on the um, budget. So. It's actually going to happen October 1 this year, and we're, we're right on track for it. Can't wait. Huh,
0: that's good. It's good to hear uh, government running ahead of schedule, you know. <laughs> doesn't <Yeah>. happen, doesn't <laughs> happen often. Um, so when you say oversight into the budget, I guess, like, my question, and, and this is me, you know, being a layman, sort of outside looking in, just a guy, you know, in the county that that doesn't deal with the ins and outs, right? Does that mean that you, the clerk of the court office will have a say in um, – like how the budget is divvied up? We know we have X amount of tax dollars we're going to give, you know, 10% to the sheriff's office, you know, 20% supervisor of elections. Or is it Mm -hmm. more so looking at what the Board of County Commissioners sets up in the budget and saying, did you guys actually spend the money the way you said you were going to spend the money?
1: That's a good question. So broadly speaking in Florida, it's a mirrored. So there are counties where the clerk is the budget officer. Um, And I think the way the laws read is if there's not somebody... Um, denoted or deemed to do it within the county, it reverts to the clerk as part of our role. And in Clay County, no. They're actually going to uh, implement an Office of Management and Budget, management being your Board of County Commissioners, budget being a budget arm, and they will decide how they levy the taxpayers' dollars. And there's all kinds of separations of duties just in this process within itself. You know, you've got your property appraiser, uh, who's an elected official, They assess the taxes, and then you have your board of county commissioners. They levy the property taxes. Then your tax collector, who is an elected official, constitutional officer, they collect the taxes. And then you have what will be now the clerk of court as a separation of of powers um, paying the county bills. So it's not oversight on how you set the budget. It's once you set your budget. So once the board of county commissioners as policymakers decide how they want to spend the money, the clerk's role will be attesting that they spend the money as they prescribed. Under purchase policies, there's all kinds of policies that need to be abided by, and I am not alluding that it's not done that way today at all, Um, but this is what our role will be. And then is it for public purpose? So there are certain criteria that we check off to make sure as a pre-audit before we make a payment that it met all these uh, criteria, and then the post audit, of course, is the annual audit at the end of the year to make sure that we've accounted for all the revenues and all the expenditures and we have a balance, we balanced at the end of the year um, in our financial statements. So again, the, the budget piece of it remains as a responsibility with the county and the Board of County Commissioners as policymakers.
0: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And, and it sounds like too, uh, is, is there any oversight uh, from the clerk of the court perspective on, if a budget comes out and, and, you know, I'm not saying that this has happened or will happen. If any of our county commissioners are listening, this is not, you know, no one's talking about you (laughs) specifically. We're just talking about hypotheticals, right? Um, So if a budget was proposed where money was allocated in a way that like violates a state statute or isn't in accordance with the regulation, would, would that fall on the clerk of the court now to come back and say, Hey guys, you actually can't do this. You got to go back and amend it. Or, or is that still on the,
1: potentially that would be highly highly unlikely Uh, i believe that the county will have mechanisms in place to make sure that you know funds are used for what funds are are meant to be used for there's a lot of fund accounting that goes on uh in the government world and and that's something that i think is important people understand is budgeting is not accounting that's two totally separate finance functions. Right. The budgeting piece of it is what revenues, what projected revenues do you have coming in? What funds are they are they going into, and how can you legally spend those funds? So you'll hear your county commissioners talk about road improvement projects and how you know they may have limited funds. And I'm just hypothetical, but they could have limited funds, but yet they have a general revenue fund uh, of you know a certain amount of dollars. Well, certain funds are used for certain projects it's the same in my world I have certain funds that I can only use for certain expenditures so that's really on the county side and, and I I would doubt very I mean it would not be likely at all that we would ever receive a budget that would not be um, set appropriately and signed off by legal and the board and the county manager and the budget experts over at the county level now what can happen and I don't suspect that this will because really the Comptroller, it's protecting not only taxpayers, but protecting the Board of County Commissioners too. You know, it's really just a checks and balance to make sure it's not a I gotcha and, and a point of fingers. It's it's a partnership to say, let's say we get an expenditure and it's it's and incorrectly has to be paid out of the wrong account, out of the wrong cost center. It's just for it's just a checks and balance to say, okay, let's send that back and let's get that corrected. So we don't, you know, we don't get deemed in an audit, potentially. Yeah. So, But what can happen is, you know, the, what the clerk's role is to do is to make sure that if there is an expenditure, and some expenditures at the county can be pretty a pretty hefty price tag, make sure that the budget, that the revenue is there to pay it so that we're not overexpending. So there is that checks and balance piece of it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That's what I was trying to say. It's, it's not a gotcha, but it is another set of eyeballs where if mm-hmm. something were to fall through the cracks accidentally, because I think that, you know, in our county, I think – if something like that were to happen, it would probably be, you know, an accident, someone, you know, an oversight. Right. Like, but, uh, right. but, it, but it is, but the responsibilities that the office is gaining is this extra set of eyeballs to make sure that every, all the ducks are in a row when it comes to things like that. Um, so right. huh, interesting. I just think that's uh, you know, an interesting point for people to consider as they're, as they're looking at who do they want to be, who do they want to have as a clerk of the court. Um, what do you feel like are some of the successes that you've had, as clerk of the court, like, you know, what do you, what do you feel like you've done well? Um, You know, toot your own horn a little bit, I guess is what I'm saying. As far as your your tenure in the office.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, um, I've got successes locally and successes statewide. I just got sworn in as the president of of the clerks uh, for the state of Florida, which are clerks and comptrollers. So, you know, going into the comptroller role is not scary for me because I've been in this world, even though I haven't had the duties, I've been in the world. I've been part of the, you know, I'm I'm part of the um, governor, the SGFOA, um, which is the the Finance Governors' um, Officers Association. So I'm knowledgeable about accounting uh, practices and rules called GASB and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I've educated myself along the way, um, and uh, I'm honored to be the president for this upcoming year. So that's a that's a big success from the state level. Locally, we have a team of people. That, it seems like every time we turn the corner we're we're pushing out something that's going to make it more user friendly to use the court system. Um, we educate our community. we spend a lot of time educating our community on how to use the court system um, because it can be very scary and it can be very daunting um, to somebody who might have a legal matter and not know where to go. So we make sure that we, without practicing law, we do uh, the, the utmost best that we can to service our public out there from a court system perspective. Um, we've leveraged technology. I mean, we've got protections in place that people can sign up and they can be notified if somebody um, is looking to file something against, you know, something personal, whether it be a lien against a deed or that kind of things. We're always thinking about ways that we can make it more user-friendly for the public to use and, uh, and safety precautions in place so that individuals don't get access to information that they shouldn't get access to. Because we have a lot of confidential records here, um, whether it be you know, juvenile-related, um, whether it be sexual assault-related. I mean, there's a lot that goes on behind the walls. And a lot of the work that we do, and you said it in the very beginning of, of, of the call, you know, you don't hear under the, being under the radar as a clerk is actually a really good thing. That means you've done your job because if you're in the press, if information is getting leaked out, if an individual, for example, is sitting in the Clay County Jail and accidentally got released because we didn't properly um, do a, um, um, a jail memo over to the county and accidentally put down a wrong date or wrong information, somebody could get released. You don't hear about stuff like that because we take we take our roles very, very seriously in all aspects of what we do. So I, my goal coming in the office was no news is good news when it comes to the clerk of court world. That means we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Um, I will say that, you know, what I'm really looking forward to for the, for the, you know, the voters out there and the taxpayers out there is as the comptroller, um, you know, I can't, I don't know if you, if you saw this, Josh, but I kind of gave you a little bit of a homework assignment. Uh, Because I think there's a lot of opportunity to provide more transparency. I'm not alluding that the county is not transparent at all. But to understand how county finance works when it comes to the revenues coming in and the expenditures going out, it's pretty complex, um, you know, behind the cover. And my goal is to provide information and reports to the common voter, the common taxpayer, so they vaguely understand, or at least understand at a fundamental level, how it works. And I, that's, that's my number one goal in my first year as comptroller is to make sure that I produce information to the taxpayers so that they can see it. So and I asked this to people, I said, tell me, tell me out of the top 10 taxpayers in, in Clay County, name one of them as a taxpayer.
0: Oh, you're asking me? I'll tell you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And that's man.
1: the answer I get. Yeah, and man. I say, you know what? You should know. You, you this is information. At least if you want to know, you should be able to find. You should be able to find this information very easily. Because how are we? What's the number one way that we are funded as a county? Tax dollars. Right. So it's little things like that that I see as uh, opportunities to just provide better information and better services out to our community.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, any operations role, um, you know, me being a person who in the business world has been heavily focused on operations, I think there's always there there, to me, it's a two pronged sort of a field or a job where you you have to make sure the wheels are on the bus and that the system as it's Mm -hmm. set up is running and functioning. But then you should always be looking for how do we make it better, faster, smarter, right? And it sounds like you have that mindset a little bit, at least a little bit, if not more than that. Um, You know, when you talk about increasing transparency or increasing information that's on there, it's absolutely not a condemnation of anything that's being done now. But it is something that if you look at it, there's always room to improve anything that anybody does. And an organization as large as, you know, a county government, you know, we're not as big as some of the down south counties, right? Like we're not the biggest county in the state. But it's still, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars that are spent on all sorts of things uh, to keep the county functioning. Uh, there should be easy ways to access info and people should be more informed. That's kind of why I'm doing this podcast, right? Like right now, because we're in an election cycle, it's very heavily focused mm-hmm. on who's running for office and how do those offices impact people. But I think it's great to hear someone in an operational role like clerk of the court say, listen, we want you to be able to get information and we think that people should know things. People should go and search out this information because that's, that's what I'm trying to do here. I want people to have an opportunity to hear from candidates that are running, but also the base level the Clay County Beacon is just get information into the hands of people in a way that's quick and easy that they don't have to search for and hunt for and waste their time getting, right? Because that's right, why people right. don't know a lot of these things, in my opinion. And now I'm just one guy, right? Because some of this stuff's so hard to get at. People just don't have time. I have a full-time job. No, you're absolutely I have a family, right. And then I've got this side hustle that I'm doing with the Clay County Beacon to try <laughs> to get information out there. If sometimes the things aren't easy to get to... I may never get to it. Right? Like, so, Uh so I think, I think it's, I think it's interesting to hear you say that. Um, where do you feel like, you know, let's say Tara green gets uh, reelected clerk of the court. What's your main focus over your next four years? Like what are, what things are you looking at to try to make more efficient and better, uh, as you continue on in the role?
1: Well, it's probably going to be exactly what I used, uh, when I originally come in, you know, how do we make accessibility, uh, better, can always, can always, you know, we, we evolve. You should always be evolving um, where it makes sense. So how, how do we make w- the services that we provide um, and the information that we provide, how do we make it more accessible and how do we remain transparent in everything that we do? And then, you know, when we come to the table and we talk about projects and improvements and investments of dollars, whether it be, you know, for example, COVID was extremely disruptive to the court system. And because we we do uh, pride ourselves in leveraging technology um, and investing into technology from a, you know, in a very um, fiscally, fiscally minded way. You know, we do all our analysis and we make sure the investments are sound and sustainable um, because we we've been working on that. When COVID hit, we were able to flip the court system and the essential services that needed to continue on with our, our judges within less than seven days. That's unheard of. So proceedings got stalled briefly while we stood up a remote-based hearing for, you know, due process issues and went right back on track with our judiciary and continued with the, with the court system. So when we sit down and we make decisions as, as far as operationally, what do we do with the office from a policy perspective, from a process perspective, investment perspective, number one question is, how does it, how does it um, impact or what does the public gain from it, and then what do our partners gain from it? Because if we're not doing it on behalf of bettering the system as a whole, we really got to ask ourselves why why we're doing it. And sometimes we're mandated we're mandated to do things uh, that don't make sense, and we have to do them just because we're mandated to do them. And and um, so it's really it's really you know if it's going to be a decision of the of the clerk's office, it's going to be how does it benefit. Uh, those that are going to be the users of it how do we make it more accessible and then how do we make sure that we're fully transparent where we're, you know when it's when it's right there are some things like I said we, we do have some confidentiality uh, requirements that we have to um, you know be cautious of too because of the sensitive information that we do um, oversee
0: right yeah that makes sense so um- I'd love to have you back on the podcast after election season to talk about sure. uh, how you guys pivoted with uh, you know the whole COVID nineteen thing because I think that's fascinating because you see um, you know and and I'm pretty critical of of government in general right but I, I think it's very fascinating how quickly our county government from not just the board of county commissioners your office uh, the school board uh, were able to pivot to to digital options for the things that they're they're doing in such a such a quick, quick manner, right? Like you, you, you would have thought that it would have been much, much less smooth and, and much less effective than it was. Um, so, anyway, I'd love to have you back on in the future and talk about that. um You know, I, I think this has been a, a very interesting conversation. I, I got to say, you, you've got me uh, much more interested in Clerk of the Court <laughs> than I think <laughs> I've ever been. Just, be, you know, my brain is very operational. Like I, I've sort of made a career outside of, of this on coming into places and saying. Let's look at our systems. Let's look at our processes. How do we make it efficient? What are our goals, yep. and how are we getting there? And how do we get there quicker, better, faster, cheaper? Right. Um, yep. So, so huh, it's pretty interesting stuff. All right. One last thing for you. Uh, give sure. us your thirty-second elevator pitch on why the people of Clay County should re-elect you to Clerk of the Court.
1: Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sum it up to two things that I think are critical, not only for Clerk of Court, but for any of these type of positions: is knowledge and experience. If you have the body of knowledge to do the job and you've got a, a excellent level of experience, proven experience in leadership in the job, um, you know, I, those are two very critical things to keep the office moving forward. If you change over leadership in these types of offices, really unnecessarily, it can be extremely disruptive. Um, I'm not, I'm a proponent of change. I love change when change makes sense. But change is not always does not always yield positive uh, results. The change has to be for the right purpose. And so this is why I love the fact that I am a public servant. I get to answer to the voters and the voters get to decide how has she done, how, you know, how has that office ran? Even if they don't know a whole lot about it, I would say that's probably a good thing that you did not hear a whole lot about it. It means we're doing our jobs and we're doing it really well. So I would say, you know, simply the fact that I have the experience, the proven experience, the proven knowledge and the proven leadership to keep the office moving forward.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, I'll tell you what I tell everyone else. I wish you uh, best of luck at the polls and, uh, you know, thanks for spending some time with me. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Josh. It was my pleasure.